Welcome everyone to our new podcast, Purposeful. We're so excited that you're listening with us today. Um, We are excited. I'm personally excited because I have a good friend of mine, um, someone that I've gotten to know um, better over the last, gosh, five years, I guess, four years. Um, Reverend Dr. Lydia Munoz. Did I say it right? Yes, you did. Excellent. Excellent. Um, we are excited to be interviewing Lydia today because she is going to be one of our speakers at Candler's Theoed Orlando that's going to be hosted here at St. Luke's on some Sunday, September 24th at 4 p.m. We hope that you go ahead and get your tickets to watch either on the live stream or to come and be here in person with all of our speakers. And you can get those tickets at saint.lukes.org backslash Theoed. But Lydia, it's good to talk to you. It's good to be with you too, Jen. Really good to see you. So Lydia, tell us about yourself. Well, um, I am originally from Pennsylvania, born in Lancaster, Pennsylvania, and uh, parents of Puerto Rican uh, are Puerto Rican. So I always refer to myself as a Dutch Rican. Um, (laughs) So Lancaster, Pennsylvania is known for, you know, Dutch culture. And so, but there's a very strong, um, Puerto Rican community um, uh, there as well. So those of us who are born in Lancaster always refer to ourselves as Dutch Ricans. So that's um, so funny. I will say this, St. Lucas are going to love you because we have a lot of people from Pennsylvania. (laughs) (laughs) Yeah. You know what that, that uh, I noticed that about Orlando. Mm -hmm. Um, So, and um, I was originally raised in the Assemblies of God church and uh, my parents were missionaries, church planters, and Assemblies of God, and that mm-hmm. sent us to Central America. So um, much of my early elementary life was in Guatemala, Central America, as, as a student. And um, and then um, my parents moved from the Assemblies of God to the Mennonite Church, uh, because you know, the Mennonite church is so mission focused and driven. So um, the evangelical movement of Latin America really um, uh, caught on through the Mennonites. It's really, yeah, it's really interesting, really interesting dynamic. Um, um, So they realized the Mennonite church realized that (laughs) uh, the majority of Central America was actually in California. So they moved my parents to California um, to do some church planting work. And so I went to middle school and high school in California. Um, So my life uh, is like this, you know, uh, a missionary's kid, a pastor's kid, um, just moving around. And then finally, when I went to um, back to Pennsylvania to go to college, um, I really wanted to go to Penn State and, you know, ended up there and um, relocated back in Pennsylvania and then discovered, um, or I don't know if, if if that's the right word, if I discovered the Methodist church or the <laughs> Methodist church discovered me. I'm not, I, I, the, the Methodist theology just was right up my alley. And so, um, yeah. I became a Methodist. And so I um, ha- was ordained in 2013 as an elder uh, of the Eastern Pennsylvania Conference and served churches before that and 
and uh, through ordination and after ordination. And now recently I'm serving um, in extension ministry as the executive director of the National Plan for Hispanic Latino Ministry, which is one of six, one of six of our ethnic plans in the United Methodist Church. That's incredible. So tell me about that work, because that work, I really think, to frames multiple things, both what you may be speaking about at Theoed, but also what we want to talk about leading your life on purpose. So tell us about that work you're doing. Yeah. So the 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 goal of the plan is to accompany co- annual conferences in creating strategies to develop Hispanic Latino ministry within their context. Um, so um, we help. Um, annual conferences do the deep dive of what it means to be a multicultural, um, bicultural, or or what does it mean to serve first generation that are generally, um, you know, Spanish dominant, right? Um, and um, to create ways to um, be intentional about ministry, whether it's um, a a congregation that has never stepped into that lane of of ministering to Hispanic Latinos as 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 their desire to build a multicultural congregation right. or a congregation that says we have this facility and we'd love to bring somebody who could develop a, a you know a, a congregation or a ministry that walks along the side so that they have their own worship service and and, in their own language and and those things, but are a part of us. Or it's um, developing communities of faith out of local congregations that are already Spanish speaking Mm -hmm. um, to develop more intentional uh, spaces where um, alternative spaces where Latinos can, can connect. So that's, that's the work. And a lot of it is about having deep conversations about our perceptions and biases around this community that is already multicultural in so many ways, so many ways, mm-hmm. um, and usually intergenerational. So, um, yeah, there, a lot of the work of naming and decentering the way we do uh, church starts or or mission, or how we um, engage in community outreach. That's the kind of work that we do. Um, It's slow and steady. (laughs) But so important as we as a nation become so much more multicultural um, and, and can tend to want to um, segregate even more out of fear and I, and I think sometimes it's, it's fear of, of course, multiple things, loss of influence mm-hmm. or power, but I also just think it's fear of not knowing how to have conversations. Right. Right. I think people um, sometimes are afraid um, if, you know, to say something or how do you even start without, um, with, are we going to do the right thing? Are we going to do right. the wrong? thing um are who are we going to offend uh, or who right. are we going to um yeah all all those things so um those are hard conversations um but it's necessary because i believe that there's um there's certain there's a certain amount of creativity that happens even in the midst of you feeling uncomfortable 
Mm. Right. Because it pushes you to another place and it pushes you to ask questions. What about this conversation is making me feel uncomfortable? Right. Right. We use Parker Palmer's, you know, turn to wonder. Um, It's so often we want to like when we're uncomfortable, let me put it on the other person or the situation or conversation instead of turning inward, which is a, a greater depth of discipleship. Honestly. Yeah, totally, totally. To say, oh, this is this is making me uncomfortable. What's going on in me? Yeah, we talk about that a lot around here as we seek to try and be very intentional about being multiracial, multicultural, but are 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 still in the beginning stages of that. So we've been a right. predominantly white, predominantly um uh, single class economic class church for uh, because of where we are. And so what what are your, you know, top two or three things that you would say, we'll we'll start here or try this? Yeah. Um, so I would say one, um, not being afraid to fail. That's mm-hmm. one. Let's let's just, you know, let's just say, okay, we're going to go for it and we're going to learn along the way. Um, and it may be bumpy and we may get th- things wrong, but that's okay. Um, because if, you know, if you're checking in, right. right. Um, and, and you're saying, what's my intention behind this? And mm-hmm. what is my, uh, I think people will capture that. Um, people will see that and say, you know, the intentionality is, is what matters. So don't be afraid to, to fail when you do things. Um, even if you try to, um, uh, pronounce things, I, I work with bishops all the time and they always ask me, you know, can I say this prayer in Spanish or can I do this? And how would I pronounce it? And we just practice. And I said, you know what, at the end of the day, people are going to appreciate the fact that you took the time Mm. to, um, try this in, in their native tongue. And that's, I think that's more important than, than whether you get the right pronunciation. The other piece is, um, I would say, try little things in your worship service that begins to point towards a different way of, um, understanding or a different way of hearing the scripture, um, in a different language hearing uh, music in a different kind of rhythm or syncopation or uh, composition. Um, Yeah, I would say doing those things. I would definitely say that one of the easiest ways that I've seen is children, their Sunday school and children's church. Wow. Yeah, because school yeah. districts do it all the time, right? Right, right. They're always Brilliant. speaking in all these other languages. And when their kid when kids come home saying, oh, I learned this word in French or I learned this word in Spanish, you know, parents are like, that's pretty cool. So the same process of having the kids help the help help the the congregation kind of embrace hearing different languages right. is, is a really cool thing because who is going to get mad at a kid? Nobody. Oh well. <laughs> I guess maybe somebody could get mad at a kid. Right. But- well, and that's that whole, you know, to, to thus belongs the kingdom of God is in children. And there is a sense of their excitement about something kind of drags the rest of us along into kingdom of God moments for sure. Yeah, yeah, yeah. 
Um, and then the third thing is I would try, um, you know, small group discussions about books that are written um, specifically with uh, Latino authors mm-hmm. um, that that talk about the Latino experience. Right. Um, so that's another it's another way. Do you have and 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 I recognize that you know give me three short chips. That's not the way to do multicultural work. I recognize it's harder than that, but it gets us talking and it gets us speaking about you know those questions that I think a lot of us um, pastors in white spaces and white pastors, you know, we struggle with. We want to honor. We want to work towards the intentionality. But, but there is a question, you know, you know, are you allowed to speak in something other than your own language or is that appropriation and, and where is the line and what do you do? And so I think it's an interesting discussion that we need safe space to have. So it sounds like the work you're doing allows pastors to listen. Yeah, absolutely. The work, the work we're doing um, allows us to, so you know, just like, so race, just like racism is not one or two bad acts, right? Right. Racism is about systems, right? Mm -hmm. So, um, so is, so, so is the reverse, right? So multiculturalism or building intentionality about building beloved community is not about one or two acts. It's about how do you change the systems around you to build beloved community? Um, and so it has to become to the point where it's like second nature, where your congregation knows somewhere along the service, there's going to be something in another language. Right. You just expect that because that's a reality, right? Um, somewhere uh, along in, in, in this congregation, somewhere in whether it's Bible study or there, there's going to be space and there's also going to be space for people who are yearning to be in spaces where they could speak their own Mm -hmm. without feeling Mm -hmm. um, like they're uh, causing some kind of division because they're not, you know, right. So many times people um, in annual conferences, a lot of times in annual conference um, I'll go to a table and I know they're, they're Latino. So we are, you know, we greet each other and it's a, and and I hear people say, oh, no, you guys are sitting all together. Are you guys talking about me? <laughs> and so right. it's, it's that whole, it's the, so behind that question, even though it may be even a joke, you know, sometimes 50% of what we say is actually <laughs> a reflection of us, right? True. So uh, behind that question is this whole, I fear you all being together, speaking something I don't understand. Right. Right. And the church can't be that space. No. So we met uh, doing our doctorate of ministry at Drew University in public theology. Yeah. Um, and that's why I said, we. gosh, it has been quite a few years now, hasn't it? Yes. It Well, so. When did we start? In the middle of COVID. 2019. And okay. we graduated 2021. Right. So, and even, I know, I actually think we started in 2018. I think, yeah, I think so. I think so. Yep. So what, tell me, tell us about your doctoral project. Cause I find it so interesting and so helpful to the work of ministry. Yeah. Well, likewise yours. I'm, I'm every time I see what you all are doing, I'm, 
I'm so blessed. Um, so my my um, dissertation or work was around um, uh, decentering worship, um, mm. and what that meant is um, taking a look at how we do worship, where we've re how we have received the do's and the don'ts of worship, mm. the rubrics, the unsaid things that we that we um, implement into worship. Um, primarily from a very white normative space, uh, European-centered, right? Mm -hmm. And the work of um, that I propose is that the work of public theology helps us um, to look at, at, one, worship as a public space, right? right? Where you proclaim publicly every week what you think about God, right? Right. And, and who, how do you see God? What's the image of God that you present? Mm -hmm. And then um, the work entails looking at that with intentionality around, is the God that I'm presenting more European white normative, or is it a much more multicultural, uh, expansive God where God gets to say, I am that I am, mm, right? right. Uh, more than... I am what you want me to be. <laughs> so um, that that's the kind of that's the 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 work of that project. Yeah. And how does that connect with what you're talking about at Theoed? So at Theoed, I am going to talk about how we build um, in our worship experiences. A lot of times, uh, we build God. We worship the God that we create. Um, and so how, and I'm going to share a lot about my own, you know, personal experiences growing up, um, because it, when we talk about whiteness, we're not talking about a particular group of people. We're right. talking about a system that impacts all of us, mm -hmm. regardless of your, your ethnic background. Um, it, it, it impacts all of us. And so from there, um, taking a look, a deep dive into um, how it is that whiteness shows up in our mm -hmm. worship experience mm -hmm. and how are we called to really take a look and, and maybe deconstruct that so that we can build a better, a better way. And that really does take some time. And it also takes, um, it may it 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 makes people feel very uncomfortable because a lot of times people want to come to worship to feel comfortable, right? Mm -hmm. So we have this concept, and I get it. We have it just it's called a sanctuary for a reason, right? <laughs> but it's not it's not a um it's not for you to come and receive a shot so that you're numb. Right. Right. Oh, that you're yeah. comforted and numb and never. Right. It's it's for I mean, this is the process, the Wesleyan pro way of salvation that right. we, this is sanctification. This right. is you're right. So you're so worship should help you glorify God and should help you take a look inside and it should answer the question, where does it hurt and what does God have to say about it? So that when you send out, when you're sent out, you're like, okay, I know what it is that, that where God, where God wants me to lean towards, you know? Right. 
it's that old saying, comfort the afflicted and afflict the comforted. Yeah, absolutely. Mm-hmm. Yeah, mm-hmm. absolutely. Yeah. So, so, so excited. And you're going to be preaching for us mm-hmm. um, that morning. So we're going to get to hear you and do a little bit uh, during our um, Hispanic celebration month, uh, nice. being able to, to have you preach and bring a word to us at St. Lucas is going to be super exciting that morning. Right, as well. right. Um, and so excited about that, but let's, let's turn to this idea of being purposeful with our life. So I found this great proverb, um, and the, of course, depending on which translation you use the different, it's a different word for purpose, but I, I particularly like when purpose is used in this word, the purposes of a person's heart are deep waters. Mm. But yes. one who has insight draws them out. Nice. So, so what is what is living with purpose mean for you? As Lydia and as Reverend Dr. Lydia, Executive Director of the National Plan. <laughs> so, living with purpose for me um, means that I walk through this world aware that I'm not alone, mm. that, that that there are other people who walk through this world, who have lived experiences that are different than mine, but as valid as mine, that, um, that there is space for um, an opportunity to see, to judge, to act and those those three things the reason why i'm saying those three things is because that's the methodology of the plan when we look at scripture when we look at at community when we do community mapping we ask are, are these questions what do we see who's there who's not there um what are some good things and what are some really incredible uh injustices that are happening all the c's <laughs> and um the heart sees the the body sees the not just your physical eyes but all kinds of ways that you see um and then secondly we judge and that really i mean the word that better it's is better used could be discern right mm-hmm. you discern what are the conversations that are happening what is what's what's happening in the community so you know we don't speak we don't speak into the community we speak with the community, right? right? So right. we're we're in this always uh, interlocutor uh, conversation where where there's various different ways, and and people come with all kinds of people speaking to them, whether it's their past, whether it's the people that they carry with them in their present, into conversations, um, and so we discern what the community is articulating is are the major issues. And where, what are some issues that the community is not able to articulate that could be there, right? And then finally, act, but not just act. It's not just like act, action for action's sake, but rather, what does, how does God call us mm. to act? Where is God calling us to act? And how is God calling us to act? Um, and is it, in a way of going back 
you know, this process happens. It's kind of like the Fiere mo model of action, reflection, action. This process happens over and over and over again with every, I use it with every, I use it with biblical interpretation. I use it with small groups, with committees, with every, I mean, just that whole model of see, judge, act. So walking in the world like that mm -hmm. means that you are self-aware of how you come into spaces all the stuff that you bring with you and and then all the stuff that are you know other people bring with them um and and you're just much more self-aware right. I, I wonder what would happen to our conversations if we were all self-aware um and discovered that we all have been granted so much grace and mercy that it should be a, a, a privilege and a um, just a natural thing to grant that to others, mm. you know, as we walk in the world. Absolutely, right? absolutely, and and so much of what you're saying is is going to resonate, I think, with a lot of our people who do our missions here mm. um, and outreach here, because it is a sense of 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 doing a lot of, like you said, listening and seeing and mm -hmm. recognizing that we're coming alongside. Mm -hmm, mm -hmm. and and that's that's what we do there's right. there's already there's already gifts and graces and assets in the communities and our job is just to come alongside and support what they want to do and what they're right. trying to accomplish and right. and it it it's that to me is the work of of the kingdom too mm -hmm. it's mm -hmm. it's a communal work that you're right takes a lot of listening to oneself yes <laughs> alongside yes. and i don't know that we're conditioned to do that no either in the church or in our discipline culture. that you have to you we have again we we're um socialized right to understand church or or yeah to understand church in a particular way um most of us are conditioned to you know and even even understand mission work in a particular way right. right and outreach makes everyone it i mean it it just does and and we have to own that me included it makes me feel good to be able to provide a bag of food for somebody it does yep. make me feel good right yeah. what it doesn't make me feel good is when people organize and start asking questions about the system right because I'm, then I have to check myself and say, hmm, how do I participate in that system? Right. And where do I need to change? Right. So that people don't have to wait in line for a bag of food. Right. So that people can not just learn to fish, but by the pond. Yeah, yeah, yeah. And hire. And that's the, the part that gets us angry. That's and the eat part. the steak. And that's where our people are like, yes, let's do that. But it's taken us a long time to get to that place. Yeah. It's hard. Yeah. It's hard. But then also recognizing that that same work is important for discipleship communities. And, you know, as we say, we when we when we talk about learn, live, love, lead, it's about you live God's story together so that because when I live this same story that we're studying in worship with you, Lydia, you tell me through your experience and through your culture, a totally different take on it. Because sure. again, as you yeah. said earlier, I've made the story into me. Sure. 
I've made Jesus or the disciples or the Kings look like me or come from my experience. Right. And, and so what does that mean? And what, and how do I learn more about God and God's story and God's understanding of this by listening to you? Right. Because it changes my discipleship. Well, yeah. Yeah. And then, you know, listening to each other, learning from, you know, my Korea, Korean siblings or my Native right. American siblings and my African-American siblings, how, how you know, Jesus shows up. And if we're allowing God to be, I am that I am. Right. In many ways, uh, I don't, you know, I don't want to uh, uh, turn off anybody, uh, but I, I, I have uh, really wrestled with this um this transient god yes right Um, recognizing that this this you know i have a a trans daughter and so um talking about god in that way um really resonates Mm. Um, and so but if we were to think that god will come in the way that um is relevant to you and i Mm -hmm, mm -hmm. and and it's okay it's okay for for you to think of you know of god in in your you know white community and white family Mm -hmm, mm -hmm, as mm -hmm. as you know it's okay that that's okay as long as you are as as you are open to the fact that and God, and God is also correct. And right. God is also mother and God is also father right. and God is also all of these things, you know, right. which then allows God to come to me in different ways. Exactly. It's not just, well, God can be this for Lydia or Anthony exactly. or any it's, it's that, oh no, God can come to me in oh. those ways. And oh. I can worship this God that is so multifaceted. Right. right. Um, that then I see God in other people right. as well. Right. And and I, exactly. So then, you know, freeing in many ways, freeing up God to be God to whatever is actually much more faithful mm-hmm. to the tradition of the church and of the, of the, of the scripture than not. Right. Because whatever we prescribe to God is what we're prescribing to people, to the other. Absolutely. Right? That's however you're viewing God is how you're viewing the other. It, it, it just works, kind of works that way. Right. Which, which brings a whole new twist on love the Lord your God with all your heart, mind, soul, love your neighbor as yourself. Well, we're supposed to love ourselves as God sees us Uh and how we see God then translates to how we see our neighbor and love our neighbor. It is, it is. And we so often go, it's A, B, and C or one, two, and three. And it's not, it's the cyclical, beautiful kind of rhythm and dance. Um, that we often which is much more trinitarian right 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 for those who have a real strong trinitarian you know that it, there it is the trinity is that this community and they have no the the trinity has no problem doing that so i don't understand why we do <laughs> <laughs> you know that 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 requires often more spiritual imagination than we want to give mm-hmm. to the work 
So let me ask you a question. And do you feel like this? So you've, you've, you've come out of uh, the local church where you were leading um, the local church into this now really leading all churches and, and coming alongside all churches and conferences. Do you feel there's a different intentionality where kind of everything you've done up until this moment has led to you being able to do this? So I, so I, um, the plan has always been a part of my life, right? So when I um, graduated from college, my pastor said to me, the plan, This so 92, mm-hmm. the plan is established, the office of the plan. And immediately that, for that summer, um, they started a new cohort, right? Of lay missioners, which is what we do. We train laity to do this work. Uh, even better yeah yeah because uh, you know uh uh, newsflash pastors can't do everything so (laughs) laity laity need to do this and um so I was one of the first laity to be trained as a lay missioner and Mm -hmm. I didn't know I had a, a call on my life or anything my pastor was just like you need to go this I can see you doing this and yeah I was I was excited um, when I came back, I developed a, a what they what we call a small community of faith, which was, you know, just a, a people in a community uh, talking about what was happening in the community. And I was working particularly with uh, new Puerto Ricans coming who didn't understand the school system. So I was connecting how the yes. school system worked with, right? And we huge, did, uh, huge problem. Huge, huge, huge problem right. in Florida. That's still we don't today. have enough yeah. partners. Yeah, I absolutely. know. Um, so, um, helping them do that. And I was not giving them Bible study. I was not doing, I was just accompanying them. That's right. it. It led to, I know you're from the church and can you pray for me about this? Yes. And then that led to, what does the Bible have to say about this? Which led to, right. These conversations that created a community of faith that was not only meeting about school stuff, but was meeting about what does God have to say about this? Right. Yes. So, so that, 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 so that has always shaped the way mm-hmm. I do ministry always, always, always. Um, and then teaching congregations that have been trained traditionally to say, if we build it, they will come, mm-hmm. you know, that's not the reality anymore. That wasn't the reality back in the day either, actually. But I'm just saying that, you know, it's certainly not the reality now, right? No, ma'am. You need to give people a reason to to get together. And I think small groups really um, provide that space where you can be more intimate, where you can, you, uh, not afraid to ask the hard questions about stuff so that's that's been a part of my journey so for me it feels like full circle right to start off as a lay missioner and then now in this space now is like you know a god thing for one for one um and i also think that now that i realize i'm in this uh space that we've got a lot of work to do with our beloved church Right. Um, that still, even though it's been 30 years, almost 40 years, that the plan has existed, some hearts still haven't changed. So right. 
we've got some advocacy work to do. Right. Right. So when, do you feel full in this new work? Does your life feel full? I feel tired. (laughs) (laughs) No, I feel, I feel full. I feel very satisfied. Mm. I feel like this is where God, um, has called me to be. Mm-hmm. And um, I believe in seasons. Yes. So I don't think that you're called to do one thing for right. ever and ever. Um, I think that you're called and you serve where the door is open mm-hmm. up to the, the time where you don't serve anymore. And then somebody else takes it and you go on to another thing. Um. So for me, the itinerant system really, really speaks to me because I mm-hmm. think there's wisdom in it because mm-hmm. you don't get attached to a position. Mm-hmm. You get attached to a vocation. Mm-hmm. And that's oh, oh, Say that again. Yeah. You don't get attached to a position. You yes. get attached to a vocation. And here's the difference between culturally, right? So a, an American understanding of a position you know, if you notice, right, when people meet each other, they say, so what do you do? Right. So in Latin America, you never ask that. Really? No. You don't ask people, what do you do? You ask people where you're from. Oh. Who's your family? Who's your family? Mm-hmm. Because at the end of the at the end of the day, what you do doesn't define you. Your yeah. family does. Beautiful. Your people do. Your village does. Your community does. And so we've got to learn that these positions yeah i'm i'm super excited and blessed that i'm in this position but this position is not the this can't define me right right, right. this is a season and one day god will say well okay it's time to move on to another season another place and another season and transitioning is so important Right. So that's funny because there was another scripture in Proverbs I found that I'm the many plans are in a person's mind, but the Lord's purpose will succeed. Mm-hmm, mm-hmm. <laughs> I'm like going to put that in a tattoo somewhere. Yes, somewhere. Because you know? I think it speaks to that. I think it speaks uh-huh. to like, my plan is to be in this position for this many years and to do these things. And and the Lord's going, hey, 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 I got another purpose. Yeah, yeah. It's nothing to do with your position. I know. I love I love what, when I go to God. So look, at I wrote out my plan. And, and God says, yeah, it's the plan. What what is that? What what is that? Oh, but I but can't you see I outlined it and everything? Right. And I highlighted like, it. It's in three right. stages. Yeah. And God's like, that's so great. I'm glad you did that. Mm-hmm. And here's something else. Right. Right. So well, thank you for our conversation. I'm so excited to see you in September. Um, we can't wait to hear from you and and for you to challenge us and to learn from you, um, both at Theo Ed and at St. Luke's. I and am so looking forward to being with you, really. All right, until until September twenty fourth.